G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Your companies, it's chaos. It's absolutely chaos. We've got COVID back in Melbourne. What that does mean for the AFL? Shay Bolton, Richmond have closed off a, an investigation with the AFL. So he is guilty of belting a bloke in a nightclub. You don't get fined 20 grand and have to make a 20 grand donation if you've done nothing wrong. So all those Richmond fans out there who said he'd been wrongfully hung, drawn and quartered, how are they feeling right now? How are the do-gooders at the Tigers feeling? Because Shay Bolton of the investigation, said he exacerbated the problem by clobbering a bloke. He also got injured. He's been fined 20 grand. So he did do something wrong at that nightclub. So it wasn't all about the verbals. It's probably started it. It probably threw some kerosene on it. But, gee, that's a... That's a they, they snuck that one under the... Uh, putting out the trash there. No worries about that. Try to throw it out there on a... On a Tuesday morning. Anyway, there it is there. If you've got an opinion on that, what did you make of it? 0487-736-736. Just repeating the news. Shea Bolton fined $20,000 of which will be made to a donation. And, uh, well, basically he's guilty. Guilty of his actions in the nightclub incident, which saw, of course, Daniel Rioli cop uh, in the head when he came to the aid of his partner. Which rightfully so. Should have done that. Get that. Totally get that. But... After the investigation, which took a long time, didn't it? That was a long time to have an investigation because that's several weeks ago now. Anyway, uh, the dust seems to have settled on that. Well, hopefully it does settle on that. And the COVID cases in Melbourne, what does that mean for sport in general? What does it mean for the AFL? What does it mean for Essendon trying to get here? What does it mean for our borders? Do we shut down the borders again and stop them coming in? Do Essendon, you know, get... Uh, a special con- um, compensation to uh, get in dispensation to come in and uh, isolate and train and play? Are we back into that sort of situation? Crazy stuff going on in the world of sport. Also, some breaking news right now this morning is that Max Duffy, who played a handful of games for the Fremantle Dockers, played in the WAFL competition, he has just signed a deal to join an NFL team as a punter. And one man who knows him very, very well, and he'll be back a little bit later. But the breaking news is with Tyson Beatty, who joins us each and every Tuesday with Star Spangled Banter. Tyson, this is big news for a young West Aussie. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Goss. Uh, fantastic news. Uh, Max Duffy has signed a contract, a three-year deal with the Denver Broncos. And, uh, look, for Max, it's been a long time coming because the draft was three weeks ago and he's been waiting to sign a deal as an undrafted free agent after that period. Eventually, the Broncos came calling and it's a really good situation for him. Now, I should clarify that a three-year deal in the NFL is not guaranteed. It's simply a contract, but it's not, it's not a guaranteed contract. So he still needs to win the job in training camp uh, which will take place around about July, August, and the start of the season, which will begin in September. Okay, so we're keen to speak to Max Duffy, but Max think he thinks he hasn't any reached any great heights just yet, so he wants to go under the radar. Yeah, I've, I've, I've put a put a request in for Max. I just had a chat to him a little bit earlier. He is going to wear the number fifteen. He's told me so. He spent his first day at the club today. And uh, he's going to be competing with a guy named Sam Martin for the starting job. Martin's been around for about seven, eight years. He's been an okay punter. He hasn't been a standout. So it's a real opportunity 
for Max to win the job and become the starting punter at the, at the Denver Broncos. But it's going to take some hard work um, and some, some really good punting to win that job. Look, hopefully we'll get him on the, on the program at some point over the next uh, few days or weeks. So just repeating the news, a three-year deal of sorts to join the Broncos. Um, and just a, a bit of a backgrounder in regards to his, of his punting uh, career so far in the States. What, what's the Max Duffy story? Well, you, 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 you set up his, his AFL career, played three games for Fremantle. He joined the University of Kentucky on full scholarship as a punter back in 2018. He spent three seasons there and he won the Ray Guy Award, which is the best uh, punter in college football back in 2019. So he's been a very, very good punter at that level. Um, didn't get drafted. There were some questions on probably just his ability to kick a spiral as opposed to the rollout drop punt style that he really dominated in college. They wanted to see him kick that big ball. He's proven that now before uh, training camp, so he's got an opportunity with the Denver Broncos. And, look, it's a really good scenario for him to be in. It's going to be a great opportunity for, to potentially make the squad. Catch you in the studio after 11.30 with your regular segment, Star Spangled Banner. Thanks for joining us. On you, guys. Good on you, mate. Max Duffy, there it is, Tyson Beattie breaking the news. Max Duffy, the former Fremantle Docker, joining the NFL as a punter. With a bit of work to do, but at the same time, it certainly looks very, very promising in another tick of the box for the Pro Kick team, which is set up by Nathan Chapman. Remember Nathan Chapman used to play for Brisbane Lions and Hawthorne? It's his pro-kick organisation that feeds the US system of punters predominantly. And uh, well done to Max Duffy. Good young fella. Played three games for the Fremantle Dockers. Uh, also, news just in, and this has been very clever work by the GWS Giants, and it's from their media department, and I quote, The Giants can confirm Ruckman Shane Mumford has been nominated for the Mark of the Year. The club understands the incident took place late in the first quarter of the Giants' win over West Coast. Subsequent testing has revealed Mumford recorded a personal best velocity during the event. Giants coach Leon Cameron expressed his shock. When I saw the mark, I almost fell off my chair. I spoke with him post-game and he told me he thought, uh, thought you won a pie and that was his incentive. Unfortunately for everyone associated with the Giants, he'll be taking about this mark, talking about this mark for the next 10 years. The Giants will make no further comment at this time but encourage all Giants fans to get behind Mummy because who wouldn't want to see this tremendous effort named Mark of the Year? Clever work by the media department at the GWS Giants. Uh, just a reminder too, coming up on the show, Des Headland, because the Eagles and the Dockers have both released their Indigenous jumpers, of course, um, and uh, Des Hedlund was one of the three designers for the uh, Fremantle Dockers jumper. Love them both. We have put the question out there on our SENWA Twitter. Which one do you like the best? Fremantle, West Coast, do you like both or don't you like either? Uh, I, I think they're absolutely fantastic and we'll be di digging a little deeper as the show goes on. And uh, I'm pretty sure both jumpers at both clubs are already on sale at their respective team stores. Very regular segment is our useless AFL stats with Aaron Dalaport. Craig Moller, played for the Dockers again. He's coming across for Thursday night's clash for the Sydney Kings. And what about the news that Bryce Cotton's injured, had the surgery and won't play the regular season? Fingers crossed he gets back for the playoffs because I don't care what you say. They can't win the title without the best player in the competition. No doubt about that, even though they beat Adelaide the other night. Shane Nelson talking waffle, of course. He's just uh, got the ball on a string for West Perth. Stacey Marinkovic, four out of four, the West Coast Fever, and they play 
the Giants at home Monday night, 8 o'clock at RAC Arena, who are also four out of four. One team is four first and one is fifth. Of course, the West Coast Fever um, took a 12-point suspension coming in because of a, break, a breach of salary cap. Tyson Beattie will re- rejoin us as well for Star Spangled Banter. We'll take a break. Max Duffy, as we mentioned, he is joining the Broncos, the Denver Broncos in the NFL. Well, who remembers Max Duffy? Max Duffy, a young man who played three games for Frio. He's not very big, but he packs a big boot. This is Sporting Goss. Max Duffy in trouble, just got rid of it. He was the Ray Guy Award winner last year that goes to the best punter. And Thayer Thomas makes the fair catch near disaster twice averted for Kentucky. Big time. And, and a heady play. And then to get the ball off your foot, that, that went from disaster to now less of a disaster to a heck of a play. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Thanks for your company. We're here till midday. Don't forget, there's plenty to go through right until the top of the hour till noon today. And Peter Vlahos from 5 o'clock with the Drive Show. Still to come, Aaron Delaport with useless AFL stats. Craig Moller from the Sydney Kings. They're coming to Perth. No Bryce Cotton for the Wildcats. Shane Nelson got the ball on the string for West Perth. Stacey Marinkovic for the unbeaten West Coast Fever. They host the Giants Monday night at RAC Arena. Make sure you get along, make some noise. The game is at 8 o'clock. And Tyson Beatty, Star Spangled Banner. We've already spoken to Tyson, but he'll come back into the studio uh, just before midday and talk all about all things American sport. On the text line, thank you to Shane, who's texted in 0487736736. Morning, Sausage. Do you think Simpson is under the pump? That was a poor, weak effort, and the players don't play with passion. Soft, bloody soft. Well, that's a pretty aggressive uh, text, Shane, but we appreciate your input. Uh, no, I don't think Adam Simpson's under pressure. Two, do I think it was soft? No, I don't. Three, I think they were beaten by a better team. And four, I don't think the Giants will lose too many games um, on the road, uh, sorry, at home against road-travelling teams. They didn't have Toby Green, but again, the midfield is where West Coast got beat. And until West Coast get back Yo and Shuey, they've just got to win. Well, the bottom line is they've got to win every single game at home, and they'll do that against Essendon this week. And then when they hit the road, they have to at least jag one or two. Now, the Giants are a good side. They lost to the Bulldogs, and they were a chance to win that. They blew the game against St Kilda. They've acknowledged that, and they were hopeless against Geelong. End of the day, they're going to make the finals. They're going to be a team that's going to scare teams in the finals. And when their best available team is available, I'm going to tell you, they're going to be hard to beat. They are dead set in this competition up to their eyeballs, West Coast. Yes, they looked a bit meek late. But you know what? They were one goal away from probably breaking the Giants. There was some, there was a, there were a couple of decisions that I didn't like. There was one glaring mistake by an umpire. And I'm not blaming the umpires for the result, but it just changed the momentum of the game. Dom Sheed, fine for what he did with Bobby Hill, rightfully so. Stupid, no need for it, undisciplined. Totally undisciplined. There are those things that coaches can't coach. That's just a that's a, just a moment of arrogance, and it, if Dom was asked that again, he would agree with that. It was just a poor decision. The game may have been gone by then already. Don't 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 underestimate how hard Adam Simpson goes at his group, and don't don't underestimate how hard the group goes at each other. 
they hold each other accountable. And I was surprised the coaches' votes came out and there were only two West Coast Eagles that got votes from Leon Cameron and Adam Simpson on the weekend. Nick Natanui got two votes and Tim Kelly got one. Now, I, now Tim Kelly wasn't in my best six. I, I thought Tim Kelly was missing in that last quarter in particular. And he's been very good in patches this year, Tim Kelly. We're starting to see the best of Tim Kelly at his best. He looks fitter. He looks quicker. He's got great linkage with Nick Natanui. But if Natanui's not there rucking, what is Tim Kelly bringing to the table? He's got to do more, and I think he appreciates that. So I was surprised by that. Hopefully that answers your question. They're not soft. They are certainly not soft. They were beaten around the ball by a team that has played some damn good footy in the last five weeks. A team that here against Fremantle was as bad a performance I've seen at Optus Stadium since the stadium opened in 2018. Whatever's turned it around for them, GWS Giants, you want to bottle it and you want to actually uh, use it each and every week. They were very, very good. Do you agree? Do you agree with Shane? Let us know on the text line, 0487 736 736. On the couch, speaking of the West Coast Eagles, this is what the discussion was last night uh, with the boys on the couch on Fox Footy in regards to the West Coast Eagles and their current situation. You can't uh, go into finals getting the ball inside forward 50 forward times, uh, 40 times. Even if you can win some matches doing that, you're not going to stack up against the good sides, particularly if there's nothing backing it up in the present time. This would be what's concerning the coach the most. They are a side that kick and mark the ball, so they do play in low-pressure uh, low games. But when it's getting down to that level, it's a major concern. And it, and it looks like this on the ground. I mean, you see them at their most fanatical. In the finals in 2018, their pressure rating was right up, despite the fact they were playing a mark and kick game. Their ground ball rating was right up, despite the fact they're playing the same game. But this is the sort of vision that they'd be showing and saying, listen, guys, we are not fair income here. We're not really chasing. We are trailing. We're caravanning. We're not putting tackles on. We're not supporting each other. That doesn't get the job done. And they were chopped up playing essentially the same game by the Giants. Same vision would have been shown from a few weeks ago against mm. Geelong. They got smashed down at GMHBA. So there's some concerning things there with the the, uh, the Eagles. They've got a lot of injuries. But, yeah, just, they're not great signs, I think, when you have pressure days like that. Nick Natanui is their leading tackler, guess. Archie didn't lay a tackle. It's, well, when I looked at the tackle number, I thought, oh, the big blokes aren't tackling. So I went and had a look at it. All the big blokes were tackling. Yeah. Archie didn't lay a tackle. Liam Ryan won, Nelson won, Cole won, Petricelli won, Shepard won, Gaff won. Mm. Mm. They've, never, they've never been a great pressure side, but probably not as bad as they're, they're going right now. Can they... Can, I know they were able to, to cover the loss of uh, Nat Nui, Gaff and Shepard in 18 when they won it. Can they do it without uh, Yo and Shuey? Well, the good news, Rui, is that we believe that uh, Yippee Yo Yo is coming back next week and uh, they need him and Shuey to really fire to get themselves uh, rebooted again. There it is, the boys on the couch. So they were pretty strong in regards to the lack of tackling effort and it is a bit of an issue, the tackling, but at the same time, they'll come back and they'll beat Essendon. And... Uh, I was trying to, off the top of my head, how many teams have won every game on the road this year? I think Brisbane have won two. I think Sydney may have won two. So it's all very well to say the West Coast Eagles and maybe Port Adelaide are flat-track bullies, but I'm not so sure winning on the road is all that easy. Uh, and I don't think any team has been unbeaten on the road. Um, and the numbers are distorted by the fact is that West Coast, Fremantle, Brisbane, Sydney, Giants, Adelaide and Port Adelaide travel on the road each and every week. The road games for Richmond, Collingwood, Melbourne, Hawthorne, where they travel down to 
the MCG, to Marvel or to Geelong, they're not road games. They're not away games. They're, 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 well, they are away games, but they're not, they're not flight hotel away from home games. Uh, Dom Sheet only got fined $1,000, which was reduced from 1500 as it was a first offence. But CB on the text says, I'm sure he was fined last week for a strike on Lockie Shoal from Adelaide. I'll check that for you. CB, I will check that. I'll uh, read the wording of it and I will check that for you as well. As we mentioned in the pregame, of course, of Sporting Goss is that the Indigenous round jumpers are being released uh, by all the AFL clubs and I'm loving the look of both our West Coast Eagles and Fremantle Dockers jumpers and a good friend of mine, the mighty Subiaco's Des Headland joins us. He had a bit to do with the Fremantle Indigenous jumper design. He joins us on Sporting Goss. Desi, good morning and congratulations. This is an absolute ripper. Yeah, good, good, good morning, Goss. How are you going? And, uh, yeah, mate, appreciate it. it was, uh, yeah, you sort of put something towards it and hopefully it came out well and hopefully the fans love it. Yeah, well, I'm sure they do. It's been displayed, of course, by Sonny Walters, of course. And the Fremantle Dockers will wear the jumper in the Sir Doug Nichols round. They'll wear the Clash version against Port Adelaide and then they'll wear a home version against the Western Bulldogs in round 12. Who was the people involved in this? And I'm led to believe it was a bit of a family affair. Yeah, mate, it sure was. So, um, yeah, Roger Hayden gave me a call, um, yeah, early in the year and said, yeah, he, he came to design the jumper and um, I decided to, to add my family into it. So Kevin Binder, who's obviously been a great artist over the years, he's my first cousin. He's already done the West Coast jumper in Port Adelaide um, power as well, just to name a few. And um, we're lucky enough to have our niece, Michaela Morrison, um, playing for the Fremantle Dockers AFLW team, and she also wears the mighty number 11 that me and Dale Kickett wore. So, um, yeah, it was a fam- it was, it was, it was a great family affair, and it was, it was good to sit down and um, you know, talk about our heritage and our story and, and combine that onto the jumper. So do you talk about it first and just take notes? Um, do you all go away and just add your touch to it, or did you have elements that you definitely had to include and you sort of had to vote? No, it was all it was all similar. So obviously we're all connected in a way. So it was just where we right. where we all started from, and um, yeah, we we draw our Yamaji connection in there up through the northwest, and um, and we're also Yungas as well. So it was yeah, it was it was a great little story. And I sat down with my dad and my, my other cousins um, and Michaela and her family, and also um, and, and Kevin Biner, the artist. And mm. you know, Kevin's a fantastic artist. We sort of had the vision in our mind, and uh, we sort of threw it out there to him, and. He was sort of coming back you know, every second day with a bit of bit of work on it and saying, what do you think? And we're like, yeah, keep going, make it work, and off we go. Yeah, you've got the Beerlia wetlands in there. You've got the uh, the clapping sticks. I, I like the boomerangs. You've got the, the number seven boomerangs are situated in the centre. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so obviously, um, you know, they were uh, hunting, hunting sticks, for, for instance, and boomerangs and Kylie's, we call them. So we... Um, I decided to sort of flip them around and um, try and get the anchor look into it. So I wore the anchor in my day and um, hopefully the, the, the supporters can see that there is that sort of ankle sort of look to it. And I think it's come up pretty well. Oh, it certainly has. Uh, also, you've got the Stolen Generation flower and, and Wudgem Up, of course, Rottnest Island. Yeah, a bit of story behind the hibiscus as well with the Stolen Generation. So Uncle Jim Morrison, which is Michaela's um, pop, um, he sort of, you know, lobbied West up and Fremantle to do that a few years ago and they've had it on ever since. So it's a bit of a, a great story within that. But then... Um, got Wajim up um, on the back as well, and I just wanted to sort of tell a story and educate the wider community in terms of what, what Wajim up means to our community and what's over there. And um, you know, we've got a lot of um, there was a lot of um, deaths over there, unfortunately, um, with across um, a lot of um, leaders and elders all across from WA got sent over to to Wajim up as, as an island, prison island. So it's a lot of deaths in custody 
um, 350 men over there and never returned home. So I wanted to pay, pay tribute to that. And um, I was lucky enough to put a silhouette on the back of the jumper as well, which seven of us, us boys played in, in 2003 in one game, which was a record back then for most Aboriginal players in one game. And mm. yeah, I was just lucky enough to sort of have that sort of overlooking Wajimup through Waliup, which is a Fremantle, the river of the mouth of Fremantle. Um, and just sort of saying, you know, we got your backs, we're looking at you and your spirits are still there. And, you know, we're thinking of you. Des Headland, our guest, uh, one of the designers of the wonderful Fremantle Dockers Indigenous Jumper that will be worn in rounds uh, 11 and 12. Uh, take us back, just in regards to that record, round four, 2003, it was then a, an AFL-VFL record of seven Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander players in the team. Um, Farmer, Cook, Coops, Hayden, Grover, Headland and Dion Woods lined up in one game. As you mentioned, got beaten in 2017. But just tell us a bit about the language groups and, and how that is in, as part of that sort of silhouette and seven language groups. How, how is that illustrated again in the jumper? Yeah, so we're sort of standing side by side and above the, above the silhouettes you'll have um, you know, the circles and the dot points um, in terms of what, what country you all come from. And we all come from a vast range of of countries across WA and obviously Stephen Coops through the Northern Territory as well. So um, it was just great to have that linkage. And then we have the song line over to Wajamup and say, look, you know, we know the elders are over there. They were taken away from the Kimberley down to the southwest all the way through. Um, so, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just one of the gestures we wanted to try and, try and put in. And it was a bit of a spur of a moment sort of thing we chucked in there, but it, I think it's come across pretty well. Uh, it, it is only worn for those two rounds, but it is incredibly popular. And every time you put it up on social media or someone talks about it, they say, this is the jumper, this is the one that we'd want to wear. Do you think we're any closer to making sure that our Indigenous heritage in football at all of our clubs is a part of everyday jumper? And, and um, would you love to see it worn more regularly and not just over the Indigenous rounds, the Sadug Nichols round? Or do you think it has more impact being spread over those two weeks? Yeah, I think the impact is there. Um, having a standalone sort of round over the two-week period, which is fantastic. But yeah, look, something to implement throughout the year. Um, I'm surprised the club hasn't put some sort of um, artwork within the jumper, like Subamata, where you can just see it type model. So um, mm. yeah, look, those they're coming. But it's, yeah, look, it's a fantastic initiative in terms of um, this whole next couple of weeks. Um, you know, you got the the dream time at the G, which is the mecca um, coming up in a couple of weeks as well. And you know, for for players to be able to, um, you know. Donna Indigenous Gersey, and that's designed by a community member or a past player or wherever it is. They, they, they play with it. It's proud. It's a great moment. So I think the most important thing is um, the wider community understanding and getting the education about um, you know the past histories and what it means to, mm. you know, to play football and where our, where our community comes from and the hardships that our family and our elders have went through um, since colonisation. And um, for players that step out on the footy over for two hours every week to do what they love doing, um, you know, you think back. My grandfather would never have got that opportunity. You know, he, he wasn't allowed to work. He was put in the missions and he was put across in the back of towns around tips and um, never to be in, in daylight until uh, had to be out of day. Um, when daylight ended, had to be back into you know, back on the on the reserve. So, you know, you got a great representative of Aboriginal players in the AFL and AFLW now, and you've got some great programs coming through. And let's hope that we can you know make a difference for our communities. Des, you've been incredibly proud and so you should always be of your heritage right from the day that you were in the system and uh, playing in the AFL as well, drafted into the AFL, going to Brisbane, coming back to Fremantle and proud of that. Do you find now your involvement in the in the Indigenous round and the Heritage Jumper and your work away from football now that you've uh, dug a little deeper in regards to your history? It seems as though, I mean, it's not the word I'm looking for. You're not as more invested now, but it's almost like because you're not playing the game, you can actually... Uh, 
uh, look further back into the history of your life and your family's life, and you, you um, you know, and, and basically can share that with other people. Do you feel feel like that is the way now for you, and and it is a lot easier to to tell your story with the time you've got to uh, to dig a bit deeper? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, the more time that you have up your sleeves, you know, the AFL is a, bit, a, a brutal industry. You're, you're in the game for so, in such a short amount of time and mm. um, they, they make the most out of it. But, yeah, when you step away from the game and you, you, you're back in, you know, normal life and <laughs> working nine to five and, you know, you can tell your story a lot more and, um, you know, and I'm to get the opportunity to, to do this um, with my first cousin, Kevin Biner, and my niece, Michaela Morrison, is you know, something that I'll cherish you know, forever. And, um, you know, I took my young boy down this morning to the... The smoking ceremony. Uncle Richard Wally was there. Uncle Nick Abraham and Uncle Barry Wimar were there, and it was fantastic. And the whole crowd, the whole playing group, and the whole you know, Fremantle administration staff, and and our family. So it was, yeah, it was a fantastic um, morning, and yeah, just really, really you know, great opportunity to get get it done. And yeah, to tell my story, mate. Well, I'm pretty yeah, pretty excited about it. So you should be, mate. And the boys had a good win on the weekend uh, against one of the all-time great Indigenous players, Buddy Franklin, but he put on a show as well. Uh, so you got the best of both worlds. Buddy lo- loading up and kicking six and Fremantle getting the win. Mate, I actually said that that night. It was fantastic to see the old Bud back, back in form and <laughs> just as long as Freo, just as long as Freo got the win, which is uh, always going to be happy. But, yeah, look, mate, you want you want the best players playing footy when they can, mate, and Buddy's one of the best of all the time and... He's got only got a, a year or two left, maybe. Who knows? So, um, you know, we want to, you know, want those memories, and he, he played well. But if he could say, I think Griffin Lane did a good job on him anyway. He did. He like six goals on him. He did. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny to say that, but <laughs> but I think Griffin will um will learn from that, and yeah, that might excel his career um even further, which would be great for the for the Fremantle Dockers. A question without notice, very briefly. Willie Rioli is trying to get back into the system. Forget about you know Instagram and all that sort of stuff. Have you got any thoughts on regards to how he's going to transition back from being up north and back into the metropolitan area and who needs to be around him? It looks like the Eagles are slowly working their way through this process. It's not as easy as just flying down, fitting in, getting back into footy. Or do you think it is? And do you have any sort of thoughts in regards to Willie Rioli's re-transition back into the system? Yeah, look, as as an outsider looking in, like we all are, um, obviously I've had a couple of chats really over the last couple of years, but in terms of, um, you know, Everybody needs a structure in their life, and for him to come back here and and get that structure and to be able to play footy would be fantastic for him. And I think um, you know West Coast will get him back in the system. And uh, someone asked me the other day, "Do you think he'll play footy this year?" And I, I, I believe he can. I believe he he can come back in, get four weeks of hard, hard solid training under his belt, and play some waffle. And you never know; he's a fantastic player, Willie, and um, it will be fantastic to see him back on the footy, the footy oval. You know, using his magic and 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 being you know what he does and. You know, as I said before, if, if West Coast don't want him, you know, Fremantle and Brisbane Lions might want to grab him, mate. So <laughs> I think rest the other seven, I think rest the other seven in clubs will be putting their hand out. Don't worry about that. So we need someone, yeah, wrap around him. You know, the playing group can wrap around him now. The the the, the um, his uh, suspension's all finished, so we can have people coming to him. He can get support. Um, so yeah, it's all about his his mental health, and let's just hope he can get back out and do what he does best, and let's play great football. Appreciate your time. Congratulations on the jump, a great man, and all the very best. And uh, I know the club and the players, Indigenous, Torres Strait Islanders, the players in general, fans in general, just can't wait to see it displayed over the next couple of weeks. Congratulations to you and to the family for producing this wonderful, wonderful jumper. No, appreciate it, Goss, and go to the mighty Subiaco Lions, mate. Go the Lions. Good on you, Desi. Desi Headland right there, who's done a remarkable job, along with uh, Kevin Binder, the artist, and also... 
uh, Michaela Morrison, all related, uh, and uh, Michaela, of course, down there in the Fremantle Dockers AFLW as well. What a wonderful jumper, and well done to the West Coast Eagles, Daryl Bellotti, who, of course, is a relative of Laurie Bellotti, who played, I think, 24 games for the Fremantle Dockers, have done a great job with the Rainbow Serpent on the Eagles jumper as well. Get on the line, get online, have a look at them, maybe get to their team stores, because they will sell very, very quickly. Let's get some news away and come back with more on the Sporting Goss. Love this segment, as you do too. You let us know on the text line, of course, 0487 736 736, or give us a call, 13 12 55. If you've ever got a useless AFL stat that you want to be investigated, I reckon the hashtag useless AFL stats team, and you can follow them on Facebook and social media, will be able to un- unpluck it, unpick it for you. Aaron Delaport joins us as he does each and every Tuesday. Del, appreciate your time. How was your weekend? Very good, Tim. Lots of close games this round, and we'll go through some of those. But, yeah, if anyone ever does want a useless AFL stat investigated, we take plenty of uh, messages through our Facebook. Happy to help people out. Useless AFL stats get on board, and they certainly are gaining great traction. I'll tell you, I'll tell you where you get uh, some great traction, on the West Coast Eagles Coast to Coast podcast with Hamish Brayshaw and also Oscar Allen. So you want to get uh, get listening to that because you certainly do get uh, a, plenty of mentions there, the useless AFL stats teams. Let's go to the Eagles game on the weekend. It was a cracker against GWS, and it certainly was a seesawing affair. What do you got? Yeah, so the GWS West Coast game was actually tracking for an AFL record until the Eagles fell away in that uh, second half. Up until the 10-minute 52nd mark of the third quarter, the lead had changed a remarkable 16 times. The AFL record for most lead changes did occur in 2010 when Sydney and Essendon played out a round 11 match at the SCG, which Sydney got home in by just nine points. The scores in that one were level at half and three-quarter time and the lead changed 19 times over the course of the game. So if the Eagles had have kicked a few more in that last quarter, they could have they could have taken that record. It was a sensational game, yeah, absolutely. Lead changes galore. You talked about how many cliffhangers there were, so the cliff, cliffhangers also dominated the useless AFL stats at the weekend. Yeah, so round 10, 2021, it's the first time in history two non-Victorian sides from the same state have had one-point margins. We also threw in the fact that uh, a key forward with a mullet in Aaron Norton also outscored St Kilda by one point. (laughs) What about the Crows, that controversial win they had over Melbourne? Yes. Yeah, so uh, that was was controversial. But um, the the gold standard for one-point margins occurred in 1938 in round 13. There was actually four one-point margins. Wow. Across just six games, Essendon, Geelong, Melbourne, and North Melbourne all won by a single point. Ah, oh, fantastic! And so, uh, that t- so, and t- tell us a bit about that. So, twenty twenty one. Talk about the the one point margins. How many have there been? Well, there's been a, a couple of those. Actually, one point margins are now the most common margin. They went past uh, two points, which was the Frio game, but they've taken a one point. Uh, sorry, a one game lead in one point games. But there's been 10 consecutive rounds of matches this year, so rounds 1 to 10, where, the mar- where there's been one game with a margin of four points or less. That's the only time in VFL AFL history that's ever happened. That's a good stat. That is a good stat. So just repeat that one again. So it's, the f- it's featured 10 consecutive rounds of matches this year where at least one of the margins of the game has been four points or less in a week, and that is a record. 
Wow, love that. That is a good useless AFL stat. And we're chatting as we do each and every Tuesday with Aaron Delaport. A a significant moment for Collingwood. They'll be rejoicing about this, I'm sure. Uh, Yeah, Collingwood's one-point defeat to Port was actually their thousandth club loss in VFL AFL competition. They are the slowest and the last of the 12 traditional Victorian teams, which includes uh, Fitzroy, of course, and Sydney, which were formerly South Melbourne. So Collingwood took 45,305 days since their first game. The quickest to do this was North Melbourne, who only took 31,788 days. Uh, They started in 1925, but St Kilda are actually the first to ever get to the 1,000-loss milestone. They did it on August the 25th. 1984, which was 37 years ago. Yeah, well, that's that's that's. I suppose Collingwood would be pleased that they were slow getting there. So Collingwood bringing up their 1,000th loss, and it was a big weekend, a, a weekend of 21st. Explain this to us, our useless AFL stats man. Yeah, so we took a bit of inspiration from uh, Cam Mooney with his numerology on the bounce. We don't <laughs> mind a bit of numerology ourselves, so. This weekend was actually the 21st weekend of the year. We're in the 21st year of the 2000s, and it is, of course, the 21st century. And at the end of the round, Bombers captain Dyson Heppel was wearing the jumper 21. He was holding the ball when the siren went, and Nick Hind passed it to him, and he had 21 disposals for the game. Twenty-one today, twenty-one today. <laughs> nice work, Aaron Delaporte. We love the segment. If you want to get in touch and ask any uh, them to do any heavy uh, lifting or some deep digging for a useless AFL stat, follow them on Facebook. Useless AFL stats. Aaron Delaporte. We love this segment on a Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. All right, Tim. Catch you next week. There he is. He's the best in the business. They're a wonderful group to follow. Useless AFL stats. They don't get too caught up in all the basics. They just find the bizarre and the useless. That's what it's all about. Hope you enjoyed it. I'd enjoy it each and every week. This is Sporting Goss on a Tuesday on SEN. Well, we're getting down to the business end of the NBL season and part of that and part of the teams that are in the cluster for finals berths are the Sydney Kings and Craig Moller has joined us on Sporting Goss here on SEN on this Tuesday. Craig, we find you back in Sydney after your trip to New Zealand. What was it like to get out of Australia? Yeah, it was a pretty tough trip in the end. New Zealand are a quality team. Many picked them top four at the start of the season and despite those road games one and one, I think we'll be happy enough. Obviously, we would have loved to get two, but like I said, they're an incredibly tough team and I think it just shows how important home court advantage is with the breakers being away all season. But uh, it doesn't get any easy, easier for us, obviously, heading to RAC Arena in a couple of days. Yeah, exactly right. So you're going to have to shoot around this afternoon or a training this afternoon in Sydney and get on the plane to head across to Perth for Thursday night. Where were you when the news came through that Bryce Cotton wouldn't be playing again in the regular season? I was just at home and, uh, yeah, Forty sent out a message to the group saying it doesn't change anything, which is absolutely right. Obviously, Bryce is a phenomenal player and uh, his resume speaks for itself over the past couple of years. But we know Perth, an incredibly tough team and very system-orientated. So we know guys like Clint or Toddy Blanchfield are ready to step straight into Bryce's role. And, yeah, it's... It certainly doesn't change too much from our point of view. 
Very much so. And they they beat Adelaide without Bryce uh, a couple of days ago. And it was Mitch Norton who stepped up in his first time in his entire career at the Perth Wildcats where he top scored. I think he knocked down 19. So you're dead right. One soldier goes down and another one comes back. But by the same token, it is Bryce Cotton. Absolutely. I think at this point of the season, when we need a win, we'd certainly rather have him not playing. Obviously, <laughs> wish him all the best and hopefully he's healthy. But, um, yeah, what is he, a two-, three-time MVP? Phenomenal player. So, um, yeah, we can't buy into that too much. It's an incredible, uh, incredibly tough game. Obviously, it's hard to win in Perth any time, with or without Bryce. So, yeah, looking forward to it. How's Forty going, mate? Of course, he has a link here to Western Australia and the Perth Wildcats. He's a, uh, was very popular and a very major contributor to the Perth Wildcats in their success and the world. But now he's he's uh, picked up that spot at the Sydney Kings uh, at late notice. How's he has he fitted into the the lead role? Yeah, really well. Obviously, love playing for him this year. Like you said, a bit of late notice with Will going to the NBA, which was a bit unusual, but. Uh, credit to him, he just stepped in and he's done everything his own way. He hasn't tried to be Will Weaver 2.0 or anything like that. He's put his own stamp on our team and he's had a fair bit to deal with with some of our injuries and, and whatever else has gone on this year, but I, I've really enjoyed playing for him. It's interesting because I think the last time he was here, he was very Bryce Cotton... Uh, um uh, referee orientated, he caused a bit of a stir over there. Well, you don't have to worry about that uh, with the, the with Bryce Cotton getting the hometown calls, which is what Fordy was sort of alluding to in his post-match press conference. But you do have to contend with the Red Army. When you play around the competition, is this the toughest place to play in regards to crowd interaction, noise and the size of the crowd? Well, I actually really enjoy it. I think Perth and Adelaide are probably the two best when it comes to crowd involvement and you know they're just yelling all sorts of things at you <laughs> positives and negatives and um it just adds to the atmosphere and and the challenge and that's i think why obviously perth are so good but it it is so satisfying to get wins in perth mm-hmm. when you add that extra factor in and you know they're they're a respectful crowd and knowledgeable like they'll give you their opinion but um it's never anything over the top so yeah it's a great challenge and Generally, I really enjoy playing there. Yeah, Craig Moller, our guest from the Sydney Kings, they're coming to town for Thursday night's clash with the Bryce Cottonless Perth Wildcats, and it's all to do for the Kings. You've just got to keep winning to have any chance of making the finals. Just in regards to your sort of uh, stamp on Perth and the Perth Wildcats, having lived here, you'd understand where they fit in the fabric of WA sport. It is quite rare, isn't it, that a sporting team of the basketball variety holds court, so to speak, with the with the public, the sporting public and the, and the public in general. Yeah, absolutely. I ventured to a couple of Wildcats games while I was playing uh, for the Dockers. Wouldn't have ever thought I'd be playing against them uh, in those days. But, um, you know, they do a tremendous job as an organisation. How many, how many finals appearances are it now? 34 or 35, which mm-hmm. inevitably helps bring the fans in. But um, they also get into the community regularly and just a well-run club altogether. So... Yeah, full credit to them. How's your own form? You're getting, you said, looking at your numbers in simple terms. You know, you're up in all facets of the game, more court time, uh, hitting the score more. Um, you, you just seemed as though your contribution is increasing with every every week of playing for the Sydney Kings and in, in the league in general. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I think my role generally isn't a statistical-based one. It's come in and 
play some really good defence and energy and give the team stuff that isn't on the start sheet necessarily. But in saying that, uh, we have had some injuries, so I've had to step up on the offensive end and, and more than willing to do so. And, yeah, it's all about confidence and just keeping, keeping that wave going. And like you said, we've just got to win as many games as possible. So, yeah. Really looking forward to this weekend. What is your uh, what is your link to footy nowadays, Craig? What's your what's your interest in the AFL? Yeah, I don't watch too many games. Obviously, quite often it'll clash with the hours or an NBL game on, so I'll, I'll give that the preference. But certainly, I try and watch the Dockers when I can. I've still got a couple of good mates in uh, Alex Pierce and Matty Tavernar playing there. I think that's about it from my time. To be honest, there's been a fair <laughs> bit of a turnover, but. Um, obviously, Alex has had a, a bit of a rotten run, so um, I'll be tuning in when he makes his comeback in a couple of weeks, hopefully. And uh, obviously, Big Tazzy's kicking a few bags lately, so yeah, I, I try and keep my eye on it when I can, but uh, not too often, unfortunately. Yeah, they're about the place now. Tabs has gone down with an ankle uh, on the weekend in their win over Sydney, so he's in doubt. And Alex came back through the waffle on the weekend, and he went down with an injury as well. So uh, again, it just uh, the the scourge of injury keeps to haunting uh, Alex and uh, everyone is very keen to get him back. But uh, the Dockers are about the place. It looks like they're, they've recalibrated with their new coach. They certainly are a happier group. There's no doubt about that. Hey, Craig, enjoy practice this afternoon. I mean, that's a, that's a that's a interesting question. Do you enjoy practice? Or do you just love getting out there and doing your thing or can practice be a bit mundane at the time and you just want to play games? Uh, no, I love it. Yeah, I really enjoy getting out there. I think it's where you can build a lot of confidence coming into games, but I just hate kind of sitting around every day, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, <it's laughs> one of those things you you learn to enjoy, I think. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your time. Let's hope uh, the Kings are still alive when they get the job done, if they can get the job done on Thursday night against the Perth Wildcats. It's going to be huge. The atmosphere is going to be next level, and we're looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. And make sure you get plenty of minutes. Uh, hit the scoreboard, mate. Let's hope you get the W for the Sydney Kings fans. Awesome. Thanks for having me. So much to get through in the last hour of today's show. It's been a busy one so far, has it not? Still to come, Shane Nelson from the West Perth Football Club, Stacey Marinkovic from the unbeaten West Coast Fever. Tyson Beattie will be back in studio with Star Spangled Banter. And, of course, your input as well. I did ask on social media, when was the last time you went to a waffle game? And if you haven't gone back, why not? Let us know on our SENWA Twitter or even text us 0487 736 736. We'll get through some of your responses shortly. When was the last time you went to a waffle game? Who played and why haven't you gone back? Love to hear from you. 0487 736 736. This is Sporting Goss. Let's take some news here on this Tuesday. Plenty of WAFL action here on the Sporting Goss on SEN. I hope you're enjoying the show on this Tuesday. Just repeating the news, Max Duffy, former waffle footballer and, of course, uh, had a brief stint with the Fremantle Dockers, has signed a three-year deal as a punter in the NFLs. Uh, We'll have more on that as the day unfolds. Shane Nelson. I don't know if Shane Nelson would be a big punter, but i tell you what he does do. He gets plenty of the ball, and he is, of course, from the West Perth Football Club. He's a multiple winner of their best and fairest, and he joins us on Sporting Goss. What's the longest kick you've ever been able to do, Nelly? Uh, probably over 30 metres. Yes. Good on you, mate. Not too far, that's for sure. Uh, good stuff. Hey, mate, you're, you're racking up the stats. I know you don't play for stats, but you must be very happy with the amount of ball you've been getting this year. Yeah, look, it's been good. Um, I've always prided myself on uh, on on finding the footy. Uh, it's one of my biggest strengths. So, um, you know, probably 
you know, to get your hands on the footy is, um, you know, is the is the is the goal to, um, you know, move the ball, get the ball moving forward. So, um, you know, if you get the hands on the ball, you know, you give your ch- your team the best chance of winning. You don't hit the scoreboard though. Is that something you we, you'd like to improve? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's probably something I've looked at um, throughout my whole career. Really, is trying to get get more damaging and 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 get on the scoreboard. Um, it's probably because every time I go down there, it's all I can tell tells me to get out of the uh, get out of the fourth <laughs> line. But um, yeah, look, nah, it is something that I want to try and do a lot more. Um, you know, to certainly take my game to a new level if I can start to do that. Shane Nelson, our guest, uh, coming off thirty-seven disposals, and that wasn't even the season high. He got picked up thirty-nine against Claremont. I want to take you back to that clash at Claremont, uh, Claremont Oval. That was a real physical game. Uh, I don't know if it took a lot out of you, but it certainly seemed to take a lot out of the team in general. Yeah, it did, yeah. They're, they're obviously a, um, a great side, and, um, you know, that's why they're on top of the ladder at the moment. Um, you know, they're, they're a fast side, um, and they're a physical side. So, you know, we tried to take the physical presence to them early, but, um, you know, we, we probably didn't sustain it for long enough, and they ended up running over the top of us. But, um, you know, certainly certainly it was, you know, a few sore bodies heading into the next week. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll look to, um, you know, continue to recover each week. It's pretty physical at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's all about just, you know, trying to back it up each week. No doubt. And you're playing against a team that has very much undermanned. Still a lot of their best players out at the moment. I know injury has curtailed a lot of the clubs, but I think Perth's probably been hit the hardest. But it's a team that you haven't had too many problems with, and you did knock them out of the finals last year in a narrow in a narrow contest over at your home deck, Provident Financial Oval. Yeah, look, that we've had um, you know we've had some great battles with Perth over the years. Um, you know, particularly the last few years. <clears throat> um, you know, over the um, you know last year, obviously the the semi final, we we had a great battle, um, and you know we ended up winning that game. Um, but yeah, look, it, it's been tight. They've obviously got a few outs at the moment, like you said. Um, but you know they obviously knocked off uh, South Fremantle, the reigning premiers last yeah. week, which you know which is obviously a, a big feat in itself. Um, so you know they're, they're going to come in full of confidence, and you know we certainly won't be looking at at what players they have in or out at the side. Um, you know we're going to we're going to hit them with everything we've got. It's a very clustered competition, isn't it? Even it's you know, Claremont and Subiaco on top of the ladder. But I mean really uh, one win, and I mentioned this. Uh, uh, yesterday we were chatting um, on the show and we were talking about, you know, one win is almost, and I know that it doesn't happen like this, but it's almost like an eight-point game, some of these games. You, you've just got to get distance in such a, a cluttered midfield in regards to the, the ladder, the way it stands. I mean, every team probably, uh, bar West Coast, are still a contender for the finals. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's the beauty of the competition at the moment. Um, you know, anyone could beat anyone on their day. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. If you don't rock up and play to your, your full potential, um, you're going to get knocked off. Um, and, you know, if you fall a few games behind, um, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to catch up. So, you know, we, we started the season at, um, at one and two, um, sorry, one and three, and then, you know, lucky enough to have a couple of wins on the trot. So, you know, you're still in it. you just got to keep, keep winning. And, um, you know, we'll look to try and get ahead of the season this week by, by getting a win against Perth. No team has gone through unscathed this year. Every team has racked up a loss and West Coast is still trying to chase their first win. Uh, just in regards to, to your lineup and the likes, I mean, Keegan not outstanding last week. And look, I'm not saying, you know, I think he enjoyed the experience about being in the initial state squad, but he was probably disappointed not to make the final cut. So he really answered those selectors uh, with the best way possible. Yeah, he did. You know, Keegan's a... One of the premier um, small forwards of the competition, um, you know, he's just got an ability to, to kick goals from anywhere. Um, you know, it doesn't matter where he is inside 50. 
was on the boundary line. You know, he's kicked one from outside of the boundary line earlier this year. Um, you know, he's, he's a freakish player. Um, yeah, look, he was disappointed that he didn't get the opportunity to play state footy. Um, you know, but, you know, the credit to him, he didn't, um, you know, didn't hold his hat on it and, you know, put his chin down. He just kept working at it and, you know, came back next week. Um, you know, I don't know whether it was a bit of a, um, you know, a bit of revenge, revenge game or whatnot, but, um, you know, he certainly put it, put it to everyone who, um, who said he, he wasn't good enough to play in that game. No, he's very much uh, good enough to have played in that game and I like him. He's got a little bit of spunk about him. He goes about his business. He gives as good as he gets. He was very good on Twitter for a long time. I think he's gone a little bit quiet on that, but he used to give as good as he got when he was uh, playing elsewhere in his uh, football career. But he certainly certainly gets under the skin of the opposition. He's a he's the modern. I reckon he's the the forward line equivalent of Kane Mitchell. Yeah, he's a um, yeah he's, he's a funny one, old keg. The, um, <laughs> he's right into his footy and he's right into all his stats and his numbers game. Um, you know, he can probably tell you stats from, from 30 years ago. He's, just, he's, that, he's that into footy. Um, and he gives a fair bit of it too. So he's a little pest around the club. Um, but, you know, he's a ripper bloke. And, you know, he's, he's such a you know he's such an asset to the, to the footy team. Um, and uh, when he's up and going like he was on the weekend, we're, um, you know, we're certainly a better side. Yeah. And then you get the week off, mate. So um, you've got to throw everything on the line before you come back and play on the Monday clash against West Perth. Yeah, we do. Yeah, everything will be on the line this week. Um, you know, we've been lucky enough, especially for the older boys like myself and Blackie, who um, you know a bit older now, so we enjoy the extra week. So we've only been playing one or two games um, at the moment, and then having a week off. So um, you know, hopefully, you know, we can get our bodies right, um, and you know, everyone gets right, and and we can attack the back half of the year because it, it looks like at the moment that it might be a few games in a row. So. Um, you know, we, we've got to try and be as fresh as we can heading into a later part of the season. Continue the great form, mate. You've been in simply outstanding form for West Perth. It is a very congested middle of the table in the WAFL after the seven rounds. Round eight this week, West Perth and Perth at Provident Financial Oval up there in Joondalup, and the game kicks off at 2.40. Appreciate your time, Nelly, and continue to get plenty of it. Been a crazy show so far. Hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget, get in touch with us anytime you like, 13 12 55 or text away 0487 736 736. Monday night at RAC Arena, it's the unbeaten West Coast Fever hosting the unbeaten Giants netball team. Four out of four. Stacey Marinkovic, the coach of the Fever, has been kind enough to join us for the Suncorp Super Netball look ahead. Appreciate your time. You must be very pleased with the way this season is unfolding. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to get the the wins, but particularly three on the road um, is no no easy feat. And uh, obviously, yeah, got a really big challenge coming up on Monday night. Massive challenge. And you just look at the simple facts: is goals four, Giants two sixty seven, Fever two sixty seven, goals against Giants <laughs> two twenty, Fever two twenty two. Percentage separated by one percent, albeit you separate on the table for obvious reasons. There is nothing between these two teams. Yeah, I obviously didn't realise it was that close statistically. Well, I've done, um, the, sta- I've done the stats, Stacey. I'm, I'm, I'm the stats it. guru. I'm the big netball man now, <laughs> as you can appreciate, Stacey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, Giants are, are very good at what they do out on court. They look very good at slowing the ball down defensively and they've had a really good impact across their entire team and they've certainly got uh, two really formidable shooters that like taking the two-point shot. So they're building scores in a different way to us but highly effective in the way that they're doing it. 
You talked about b uh, being on the road. So three of your wins have been on the road. The only game you've played at home so far has been at home against the Swiss, who are certainly in contention as well, currently third on the ladder. Just in regards to being on the road, Adam Simpson hasn't called you, has he? No. <laughs> no, he hasn't. Why, um, why, is, why yeah. is it different? Why, do, you, do you approach games differently being on the road, and is it more mental than preparation? I mean, the Eagles are really struggling with it, and it is an issue, and it's not just the West Coast Eagles. A lot of teams struggle on the road, but you've now come on straight away and said, we've won three games on the road out of three road trips. That is a pretty damn good way of going about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think for us, we try and keep it as routine as what we do at home. So we certainly don't go about things differently um, per se. We try and give the girls as much freedom as what they would have um, when we're here so that they can go out and have dinner at their choice of restaurant or, or you know, that type of thing so that they, they're preparing and fueling their body as they would usually. Um, I think it's a little bit different to football. I think, obviously, you've got different ovals and grounds and sizes and, and all that type of thing, whereas mm. in netball, the dimensions of the quarter are exactly the same. Um, you know, the surfaces are generally um, pretty much the same. So I guess for that, we don't have to do any different preparation in, in the way that we play the game. We can really just adapt and, and take in what the actual structure of an opposition team actually is. So, um, yeah, maybe that's a, a little bit of a difference between, um, you know, some of the, the outdoor sports compared to the, the indoor ones. Um, but for us, I think we've just, you know, being in hub last year, we just found a really good balance and our group gets on incredibly well and we've done a lot of work about um, our ability to communicate, ability to... Um, understand everybody's differences so that you, you don't get in each other's back pockets or if somebody mm. does something differently, it doesn't mean it's a, uh, a bad way of doing it or that they don't like you and, and all those just little things that just keeps everything calm and, and really clear off court. I interviewed uh, Stacey Francis Bayman on the show, an extended interview a couple of weeks ago. It was, she was absolutely delightful, delightful. It was the first time I'd spoken to her. But what she did say was roles inside the team on game day. Her role has had to change. Sunday Ariang's come in, so Stacey Francis's role has come, has come in differently. Verity Charles got uh, benched after a quarter and a bit, I think, uh, against the Swiss, was having an off night. You must be incredibly pleased that that is the attitude of senior players inside your group, which seems to lend itself to getting best results. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the way in which they've embraced the whole team first mentality is... Um, been second to none and, and you know as it was we started with Stacey on the weekend because of the matchups that we mm. wanted to go to and, and then we also needed to move her around into a different position. Um, I think the girls just have a really clear understanding of our game plan and when they go on to a particular position they know what they have to do with the skill set they bring uh, mm. and I think that they take great confidence. We're not trying to just have a, a cookie cutter approach and someone's not playing well that you put somebody in the same same sort of uh, skill set. We we do things a bit different so that we can keep attacking the opposition. And uh, yeah, Stacey's certainly playing her role well, but then also um, having great uh, contribution when she is starting games as well. Stacey Marinkovic is our guest on Sporting Goss on this Tuesday, West Coast Fever coach. Big game Monday, 6 o'clock at RAC Arena against the unbeaten Giants. The top of the table, Giants, little separates the two teams. 
Monday fixture, a Monday night fixture. I, I, I understand it's all very good. You get the extended break. You've been on the road. Um, how do the players fill their time? Again, I mean, you've mentioned it, that they do what they do and they prepare the way they want to prepare as long as they come in the in, with their game face on and, and ready to go. But it is a Monday. It's a little bit differently different than a, than a sporting weekend. Have you do, you do you address that or is it, do you just take it as it is and you know that you're going to have a Monday night fixture at various stages? No, we certainly use the opportunity. We've got an extra training session in this week, but we've just got to make it purposeful and not flog the players as yeah. well. Uh, but in a couple of weeks' time, we only end up having one training a week because we're on a five-day turnaround. So um, I guess we talk to the players about making the most of our opportunities to be able to continually progress our um, our performance. And this is one of those weeks to be able to do that. So the schedule's slightly changed, but our girls have got their schedule so far in advance. They've been quite aware that this would be a little bit of a different week, um, but it gives them a chance to recover. It gets in really good, um, you know, they go and have their massage. Uh, they actually went and played putt-putt golf together yesterday afternoon, um, despite the weather, and just did something that was a bit more non-netball orientated. And I think that's the part when you get these extended breaks is actually getting away from the court is one of the best um, preparations going in. What about your your connection with the team when? They're not at training, and I know you're a mum, so that will take up most of your time, and you need you need separation as well. But do you from the playing group? Do you um, involve yourself in their out of uh, training activities, or do you like to distance yourself? Does that does that keep it fresh? I think there's times where you do things as a team and you definitely do some social activities, I guess, with the group. And there's times where I think it's really good for them to have their own space and, and you know, socialise with different groups of people and they don't need me uh, in their back pocket. But, you know, certainly catch up with the players and have a coffee. I think you can have some really great conversations and part of, um, I guess, the, the relationship that I have with the players is I understand their life away from the court, which enables me to understand when things are a bit out of whack or out of balance and, and how I can support them in, in whatever's going on. So, um, yeah... You interact, but I also certainly give them a, a fair bit of space so that, um, you know, they can just go about what they need to do um, to play their best netball. Last one for you, Stacey Marinkovic is our guest. And last year you had the pop-up game at Cairns. You won that by five, but you did lose earlier in the year at the Nissan Arena game. Um, of course, the round three and the round 13. How different are the Giants from the team that you played and shared the honours with last year? Yeah, I think you see the dynamic of the Giants changed, particularly off the court. And I think that camaraderie that they're bringing, that connection, you can still see with the way that they're moving the ball. Um, you know, they've got, whilst they had an injury with Kira Austin going down, you've got, mm. um, you know, some young players that have really stepped up in their environment and are heavily supported, I guess, by their experience. So they're, they're very different. Um, they've got a real hunger. Uh, and you can tell that they're confident. So we're we're going to need our green army there on on Monday night. We uh, we want to make our home court, um, you know, a real presence and and make it extremely difficult for them. I'll be there. <laughs> Looking forward to it. With all Second, your stats that you've got, you'll yeah, be firing. Yeah, no. Oh, I know. And, but they, they left me off the uh, the coverage. They left me off the group email. And I thought, hello, I've done one game and I've been bunted already. But apparently it was just an oversight. <laughs> I'm back on the, on You're the back. sidelines. Look forward to seeing you there. And congratulations on the, the start so far. Uh, let's hope it continues Monday night against the Giants. Thanks for joining us.
Excellent. Thanks very much. She's a star. Stacey Marinkovic, always great to chat with her and puts it very simple for netball fans. Get there. They need the Green Army on a Monday night to make a hell of a racket against the Giants. We appreciate Stacey Marinkovic joining us on our show. Uh, just repeating some earlier news is that uh, we are awaiting any further comment from the AFL and from the state government in regards to borders and games, of course, because there is an issue there with uh, the lockdown of Victoria because of um, some COVID cases. So they've gone into a bit of a COVID case lockdown and taking sort of measures over there in Victoria. I'm not too exactly sure what that means going forward for, of course, the AFL and also netball and basketball and soccer and a whole range of other sports. But keep your eyes on socials and keep your eyes and ears here on SEN. We'll keep you up to date, I'm sure, on our website, sen.com.au. And the other news is that Shay Bolton has been fined $20,000, which will be donated to a worthy cause after his involvement in that nightclub stoush involving Daniel Rioli where uh, Shea Bolton injured his wrist as well and has been on the sidelines since. So an investigation, took a long time, to investigate uh, Richmond. Uh, Richmond and the AFL got together, did some investigations and said uh, he exacerbated the problem by getting involved. So there you go. So for those who thought that Shea Bolton was, uh, well, a clean skin in the situation, not according to the investigation that their own club did. So uh, the punishment has been handed out. But one thing's for sure... They've all done their due diligence now and they'll all be better for the experience. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, give us a call if you want to get in touch with us here on SEN, of course, 13 at 12.55 or 0487736736. I did put out a question on the socials in regards to uh, what was the last time you went to a waffle game? When did you last go to a waffle game? How long ago was it and why haven't you gone since? Um... Let's go. Ed Healy, good on you, Ed, on Twitter, says 1976 Waffle Grand Final. I moved to Country Towns after that. That is a long time ago. Elizabeth on Twitter said a week ago, went to Claremont and Subiaco, but most problems with attendance is the time slot around AFL games and junior community football. Would be good to have fixtures to accommodate all tiers of football to plan better, and I know it's difficult with COVID. That's a good call. Thank you, Elizabeth, for that one. Uh, also, Craig says, I'm being an ammos man. I go to the amateurs through and through. It doesn't matter what my team's doing, even if they're going through a tough patch. Good on your square. Danielle, thank you. Westworth and Swans a couple of weeks ago. Ben Summerscales, I like going and seeing the passion of other Waffle Team supporters. The biggest issue for me is the lack of food and drink and toilets that are clean and good enough. The toilets on the far wing at Leadville always lock, so you've got to walk all to the other side to the grandstand. Good on you, Ben. I appreciate that, and I think that's good feedback for our Waffle Club's who were listening. He said he went to the weekend game to, to watch Elliot Yo and the rest of the Eagles players. I only ever go to watch the Waffle Eagles, but I don't have an affiliation to any Waffle team since moving to Australia in 1997. Um, Uncle Kev said, yeah, it was a good game of footy. He went and saw a good game of footy on the weekend. Mark says the last game he went to was late 2019. We usually go for a few per year. The kids loving having a kick to kick on the ground. And you can write off 2020, no doubt about that. Morsi said he went to see Westberth and Subi and loved it. Uh, Dylan said the 2020 grand final, while I work in hospitality, so rarely get the weekends off. Uncle Kev says he went to the 2010 grand final. And Jared Greenwood is a good one. Good on you, Jared. Took my young bloke to Swans and Westberth at Basso. Great day out for the kids. You cannot ever underestimate the excitement that a nine-year-old gets from having a kick on the oval. Great, great feedback. And thank you to everyone who gave us, uh, followed us on Twitter. And you can do that, of course, or text us 0487 736 736 or 1312 55.
Uh, just taking back CB's text, who texted in a little earlier, it said Dom Sheet only got a $1,000 fine, which was reduced from $1,500. That was a first offence. I'm sure he was fined last week for a strike on Lockie Shoal. I've done some research and you're spot on. I'm not ringing the AFL and I'm certainly not going to rattle the West Coast Eagles cage. But if they have dodged a bullet there or Dom Sheets dodged a bullet, he's a lucky boy. But you reckon the third offence, he might be facing a suspension, I'm sure. Hey, Tyson Beattie, who told us at the top of the show that Max Duffy, the former Fremantle docker, has signed a three-year deal with the Denver Broncos in the NFL as a punter. Um, he's going to rejoin us after the 11.30 news. Tyson Beattie with his regular uh, segment, Star Spangled Banter. want to have a listen. Of course, all three cases are going to the tribunal tonight too. Plowman, Pickett and also uh, Holman are all being challenged at the tribunal tonight. Uh, before we take the news, I want to give you this. Uh, was Jared Healy's uh, conversation last night on AFL 360. Jared Whateley, sorry, on AFL 360. Had this to say about... Uh, Holman going to the tribunal for his tackle on Mitch Duncan. The last results of round 10 play out at the tribunal tomorrow night with three cases and none more contentious than the Nick Holman dangerous tackle suspension two weeks for running down Mitch Duncan. So, from the AFL football department, this is an illegal tackle worthy of a two-week suspension. So you run it through. No sling, no dump, no <coughs> lift, no spin, no second action to hurt. One arm pinned, but only one arm. Not unreasonable in the circumstances, not unnecessary force and no breach of duty of care. What did Nick Holman do wrong for the AFL football department to deem that this is a two-week suspension? No, they, they're jumping... Uh, they're not, not shadows, they're jumping at something real. He got concussed. And they went, oh, he's got concussed in the tackle. We've got to, out, we've got to outlaw that. It was an accident. <laughs> he did nothing wrong. The momentum of Mitch running and Holman chasing... They're going to go forward. That's just how the... And Duncan is mid-kick, so he's off balance, off balance at the moment that, that he is chased, hunted down. Thrown out, you think? Well, of course it will be thrown out, but I, this is not one of those that I'm prepared to sit here and say that's the two branches working. No. The tribunal is an independent body tomorrow night who will save the game from itself. I do not understand how the AFL football department, who are entrusted to run the game, set the standards and enforce the laws, could possibly, mm. in any reasonable way of thinking, regard that as a dangerous tackle. So I'll give you two examples. One is what we're trying to remove from the game. So Nick Natanui, three years ago, this was contentious at the time. This was borderline. But that has served the game well. We would all believe that with the one-match ban. That was done with the extra no. punishment at the end of the tackle. And you go, mm. OK, so Amon's left concussed. We're going to protect him from here on in. And then there's the garden variety run down from behind. Just choose a random one from last week. Two fellas going out at Jones, tackled by... Mm. Um, and McDonald, McDonald taken to ground, all safe and well. Yep. What Holman did is what McDonald did. Yep. And it was completely unfortunate that Duncan ended up with his head on the turf. And to suggest for a moment that that is Holman's responsibility, well, that's the house of cards. Good on you, April. April Austin in the newsroom. Nine days to go to the Olympics. Actually, we're going to be speaking to an Olympian tomorrow on the show as well. Give your feedback, 0487 736 736. Getting some wonderful stuff on Twitter and social media. Love to hear from you on our text line, 0487 736 736.
of course. We've chatted so far on the show to Tyson Beatty, who broke the news that, of course, it, uh, Max Duffy is joining the Denver Broncos, the former Fremantle Docker. Des Headland spoke to us beautifully, too, about the Indigenous jumper to be worn by the Fremantle Lockers and the history of that. Aaron Delaport for useless AFL stats came up with some absolute corkers. I'll go, I'll go, one person has the message and said, what was the one about the 21s? So I'm going to read this. Useless AFL stats, don't not mind a bit of numerology you see on um, Fox Footy. Did you know that at the end of the 21st weekend of the 21st year of the 21st century that Captain Dyson Heppler, who wears 21, was holding the ball when the siren went to the round? He was passed to the ball by Nick Hind, who had 21 disposals. That is the quality stuff you get here. Uh, Shane Nelson joined us from West Perth, and it was a great chat just prior to news with Stacey Marinkovic from the West Coast Fever. Not too far away, we'll be chatting with Tyson Beatty, star spangled banter, all things American sport. Again, another very, very popular segment that we do on the show. Love to get your feedback. We'd love to get your interest. You can ask us anything. We're very much a, an open book. Any questions, any sport, any time, 0487 736 We're going to break away. We'll come back. We're going to hear from, of course, uh, Leon Cameron, he spoke last night uh, to the boys um, uh, on AFL 360 on a range of issues about the documentary, also about the Jesse Hogan situation and, of course, fresh from their win over the West Coast Eagles. All that more still to come, but get in touch. This is Sporting Goss on this Tuesday. Welcome back. We're here till 12 o'clock, 13, 12, 55, 0487 736 If you're listening on the SENWA app, thank you for downloading. Don't forget you can, if you've missed an interview, get onto our socials, uh, download the podcast, get onto SEN.com.au. And if you're listening down there in God's country, of course, it's SEN Spirit 621. Hello to all of you down there. We hope you're having a wonderful Tuesday and being looked after by our team. Gary and Tim, breakfast on SEN Melbourne, uh, chatting with Leon Cameron about a whole range of things, about Jesse Hogan, about Stephen Cornelio's situation and, of course, his star role, controversial at times, in the AFL doco. Here is Leon Cameron speaking with Gary and Tim from SEN Breakfast. Jesse Hogan's moved in out the back of uh, Shane Mumford's property house and I couldn't help but think while the story was being aired that there seemed to be like genuine friendship that has developed between the two and how much Jesse was enjoying living around the Mumford family. I'm just interested, who who pieced all that together? Whose idea was it for him to go and live with uh, Shane Mumford? I think it was just probably a little bit of right spot, right time. We, we, we knew that when Jesse was coming over to, to to come to our footy club and we were apt to have him, um, we knew that the living arrangement was going to be the number one thing. And working closely with his manager and, and the footy club, there was so many things thrown up. We looked for different options. And then probably towards the back end of it, when we are probably getting a bit frustrated and working out what was going to happen, Shane Shane put his hand up and said, I've got a bungalow out the back. And, and the rest is history, as they say. And... Uh, Look, I think no doubt the family environment has clearly helped Jesse. You know, he's had some challenges in his life. We all know that. Um, and that family environment, when he comes home, he plays plays with the Mumford boys, the two little terrors that uh, play at the back. He, he loves that. And um, and so that sort of just built and built and built. And along with Shane playing as well, which we probably stepped into this year thinking that Shane probably wouldn't play a lot of footy. Um, but he, every time he rolls out, he plays some really, really good, strong footy. We know he can't do it every week. So I think in combination of that togetherness and that 
care. I think it's been a, a really good story. Yeah, and we all we all learn and continue to evolve. And I'm just wondering, from your own point of view, with that the documentary that was made, where the you know the cameras followed you around for a year, what what you learnt from that was it? Did you take anything away? Did you look back at it? I don't even know if you watched it, but if you look back on it, did you see something that you liked or something that you didn't like that you would like to have changed? I think. Um I mean, clearly we'd like to change the year, Gary. We yeah. should have done it in 2019. Yeah. Um, but, look, it's, 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 you know, we're a new club. We're in our 10th year and, um, you know, get things right and things wrong. Um, I think the opportunity to put ourselves out there in front of our supporters, we're a growing supporter base, um, and show people in Western Sydney, Canberra, people who are not traditionally brought up with AFL footy, what a footy club's about. And, and so we took that opportunity and, and clearly... Um, it's raw, it's uh, emotional, it's vision that uh, you just don't come across every day. And, and so that was tough and hard and it was intimidating at times. But, um, you know, uh, when it came out, it was hard to watch because clearly we had a bad year and mm. we had some challenges throughout the year. But you learn from it. You've got to go, well, if you put yourself out there for the good times, you've got to put yourself out there for the tough times. And, um, yeah, I can't say it was enjoyable all the time, but... What I will say is that um, really proud that our club continued on and didn't hold back, and we we threw the doors open and we showed our supporters what our footy club's about and whether people liked it in that year. They're probably seeing some tough times turn into some enjoyable moments now with some of these young kids that are coming through. Yeah, I, I don't see it as a criticism at all. I think you know the learnings from it are, are what you'll make of it, and it would appear you know, to the to this stage of the year anyway, that you've come out of it a stronger footy club as a result. So I, I just I thought it was an interesting concept and um, I think one that's going to hold that footy club in really good stead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you see it first up, you, you see your head on the, on the TV, you cringe a little bit because, mm. you know, uh, you just... Uh, I'm no um, well-beater actor, Gary, so... <laughs> I, uh, um, I think, um, you know, those raw scenes when you do flick past and have a look at them... Um, are very interesting when you watch them in hindsight. Steve Cornelio, we know that he's been out injured for a while. When are we going to see him again? Uh, he's due back, um, Steve, he's probably about three weeks after the bye. Look, he's, he's back running now. Because he had his syndesmosis, normally about that seven or eight weeks, uh, but he also had his toe as well that he had to, they had to sew up a little bit. He had an issue with his toe when he had that nasty injury. So, He's tracking along nicely um, himself, Phil Dave. Phil's due back after the bye, and so is Matthew Dubois. There's a number of players due back after the bye, which is great because clearly we need some, some troops that need to come back with, with our injury list. But, um, yeah, we're looking forward to that experience coming back, but also putting pressure on a squad. There's nothing better than having pressure in your squad um, throughout the year because, uh, you know, it puts everyone on their toes, and we need to remain on our toes because... We've got huge games coming up. Great chat. Great to talk. Love it when uh, you hop on and you're always good to us and do that and your team's going really well. So thanks and good luck for uh, the remaining uh, 2021. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your time. It's Tuesday, and that means it's time for Star Spangled Banter with our man Tyson Beatty. How's your week been, Toss? Uh, not too bad at all, Goss. Uh, I want to start by saying, look, I've got some ammunition for your boss, Mr Hutchison, to take to the AFL. The ratings for the play-in tournament for the NBA 
they were outstanding, up 60% on the regular season. It was, a, it was a big tick for the administrators, big tick for the fans. The playing tournament worked. It gave the teams that were already locked in a little bit of rest, but it kept the momentum of the season going at the end of the regular season. I think it really worked. Okay, so there it is, Hutchie. If you're listening, that's uh, time to uh, beat that drum again in the AFL. Speaking of uh, NBA, how are we travelling so far? Well, we'll just go over the games yesterday because there were some uh, interesting results. The Philadelphia 76ers, the number one seed in the East, knocking off the Wizards and uh, a good game by our man Ben Simmons. 15 and 15 in re- rebounds and, and assists. assists. Yes. Only not, six points. Only six points. He's not a big scorer, but that's okay. If he's doing his jobs on the glass and he's contributing with assists, then that's enough because Philly have enough firepower everywhere else. Is that a change in his game though? Isn't it, wasn't he a big high high points getter before? No, he's not a he's not is a perimeter right? he's not a perimeter scorer. So he's a man that, that works the glass really well. Okay. He finds he finds pace he finds inside movement. So he's not he's not a really high scorer. That's not what they rely upon him for. They rely upon him to find find targets inside and also to rebound. And fifteen boards okay. is fantastic for the first game. So that's good. So seventy six is with the victory there. Uh, the LA Lakers taking on the Suns. Now, the Lakers going into this game, despite being the seventh seed, were actually second overall in the betting odds in the entire NBA playoffs purely because they had LeBron, Mm. right? They have LeBron, they have Anthony Davis, but they go down in game one, 99 to 90 uh, against the Phoenix Suns. So uh, disappointing LeBron, 18.7 boards, 10 assists in that first game. Devin Booker top scored for the Suns, 34.7 rebounds and five assists. Uh, This one, the Atlanta Hawks and the New York Knicks. Now the Knicks playing Mm. back at Madison Square Garden for the first time in a long time in front of fans. Now they... Uh, had a pretty big crowd there and also a lot of excitement for their first playoff series in seven years. They go down at the buzzer. It was a fantastic uh, sort of running rainbow shot by Trey Young. He was terrific, 32.7 boards, 10 assists, and the Hawks win 107-105. Atlanta not really favoured to go really far in this playoff series. The other game... The Memphis Grizzlies beat the Utah Jazz. Bit of an upset here. The Jazz, number one overall seed in the West, go down to Memphis. Goss, there's always a number one seed that looks shaky <laughs> in the first round. And unfortunately, it could be the Utah Jazz and our man Joe Ingles. Mm. Uh, Dylan Brooks top scored for Memphis, 31.7 rebounds, two assists. And Mike Conley top scored for the Jazz. Joe Ingles was uh, OK, 11 points in that loss. But they're going to have to rebound quickly because, remember, they only have one more game before they go back on the road. What about today, then? We've got games today. I know that uh, Milwaukee and Miami started early, so we'll uh, be across that. Uh, Portland and Denver? Yeah, I, I think, uh, just going back to the Heat and Barks, G- Jimmy Butler versus Giannis, that's going to be a really interesting matchup and potentially an upset, but Milwaukee not really talked about as much as they were last year going into the playoffs, so maybe they're a bit of a sleeping giant. Uh, the Blazers and the Nuggets, uh, another good one. Damien Lillard, the star in that in that playoff series, you'd think. I think, I think Portland and can get the upset in that series. And a huge day tomorrow. We've got Boston and Brooklyn, as you said, the Lakers and the Suns and Dallas versus the Clippers tomorrow. Also, we're talking a whole range of things. In fact, you talk about uh, LeBron James. He got in trouble for breaching the safety protocol. Well, well he, he, he got investigated, so he, he's not going to be punished. Now, this is kind of an interesting... This is kind of your rules for some, Goss, which, <laughs> which sometimes we really? bring up, right? So, LeBron James, he, he attended a promotional event for a tequila in which he's invested in. It's amazing how much players love to invest in tequila, don't they? It's, it's, a, it's the product of choice for uh, star athletes and, and rap stars, rock stars and pop stars. Now, the event, which also um, was attended by Drake and the actor Michael B. Jordan, who's pretty hot stuff at the moment, it, it took place actually before the play-in tournament. Uh, the NBA say, look, the Lakers are handling it. We've got, we've got nothing to say here. But it's been criticised that, look, 
he, he obviously breached protocol in some ways here. There were people that attended the event that weren't registered for COVID, so he's outside the protocols. Should he have been suspended? But no way do you want LeBron not playing in the no playoffs, Goss. No way will that be happening on his watch, no doubt about that. What about gra- crowd capacities for the NBA playoffs? OK, I, I find this fascinating because, uh, again, comparing to us here in Australia. So crowds capacity, they've really ramped them up for the playoffs. So Madison Square Garden had 15,000 uh, in attendance. Now... You wouldn't believe how many people actually knew COVID cases in New York City yesterday, guys. Over a thousand new cases. And they said, yep, no worries, we'll have 15,000 in there. Wow. The Dallas Mavericks are preparing to have 12,000. Uh, they've, they've had um, uh, quite a few cases as well in that area. Generally, it, it's, it's varied a lot state by state and mm. different governments making decisions. But I think everyone's going to have a, a reasonable amount of fans in the crowd, despite the fact that COVID cases are still circling in communities. Yeah. Very different to Australia, isn't it? Very much so. And interesting that we talk about the, the themes and the moods of NBA games throughout the season. It's been hard to watch on the television when there's been no crowds and play just going up and down the court. It reminds me of just a pre-season, pre-season game. That's all it looks like. It's hard to emulate, isn't it? Because so. because basketball is an energy sport, and Correct. and the crowd makes a massive difference. Remember, it's the it's the crowd that's closest to the action of any sport anywhere. Really, isn't it? I mean, you've got fans literally metres from mm. the stars. Mm. They can almost touch them. So it does make a big am- in impact in playoffs. Liz Cambridge is making news. Yeah, Liz, so this is our, uh, our cracky Yankee wanky of the week. <laughs> and she's not a Yankee, but she's, she's caught up in... sound like it. Yeah, her, her accent is very much leaning this way. We're about to find out. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's caught up in a little bit of a spat with um, the Connecticut Suns coach, Kurt Miller. So have a, li- have a listen to this. She, he criticised her weight. Uh, recently. So he coaches against her in the WNBA. Yeah, Connecticut Sun. So just have a look at, at her response to his criticism of her weight. So to the coach of Connecticut, I'm sorry, little sir man, I do not know your name. Um, but the next time you try to call out a referee, um, you know, trying to get a call being like, come on, she's 300 pounds. I'm going to need you to get right, baby, because I'm 6'8". I'm weighing, I just double checked because I love to be correct and get facts. I'm weighing 235 pounds and I'm, I'm very proud of being a big bitch. Body, Big Ben's baby. Um, so don't ever try to disrespect me or another woman in the league. I don't know if that's how like coaches run. Like you just disrespect, you try to disrespect women like that from the sideline. Are you so lucky it was during a game? That whole part, you were so lucky that I was at my doing my job. Anyway, to that little man, like the whole little tiny, like where is you? Um, stop trying to protect your insecurities, baby. She doesn't back down, does she? Doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It's Andrew Bogut, uh, a rival coach, a rival player. She stands her ground. She says what she thinks, and she backs it up with the way she talks as well. I mean, she she makes a good point there, um, but. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty poor poor stuff from that coach. Pretty unprofessional. And he got whacked with a $10,000 fine, Goss. Yeah, that is terrible. Anything else before we let you go? Uh, no, I mean, I just think the Brooklyn Nets. I think you've got to ask me for a prediction who's going to win the NBA oh, playoffs well, now so you, you can hold me account. Do you think the Brooklyn Nets are going to win the NBA? I think they're just scary. I think I think their trio is just uh, is, is pretty unstoppable. They'll come through the East pretty easily, and it depends who they match up on. I think everyone's going to bruise each other in the West. I think that the Nets can win it this year. Especially when James Harden says this. That's a, like... <laughs> Brag or anything, but I'm like, I really, I'm really good at this, this game. He's pretty good at the game. Hey, thanks for coming in. On you guys. Yes, uh, our man Tyson Beatty for Star Spangled Banter each and every Tuesday. This is the Sporting Goss. 
Thanks for your company. Been a very busy show. Have a listen to this. Brooks Kepka was being interviewed after the PGA Championship. Bryson DeChambeau, another American golfer, was walking behind him. This went didn't go to air on NBC, but uh, it somehow has found itself out into the social media sphere, and it has gone viral. Have a listen. So I don't know what other guys have said or. I just felt it difficult to read, you know, sometimes, sometimes, um, I lost, I lost my train of thought, yeah, hearing that bull He was so angry, and I don't know what Bryson DeChambeau said, but there's clearly no love lost between them, apparently Bryson's not all that popular on the tour, he's a bit different, is Bryson DeChambeau, it'll be interesting if they play in the Ryder Cup together, and how they get on Anyway, you'll see that. That has gone absolutely viral. Brooks Kepka having a meltdown with Bryson DeChambeau walking past him. Uh, on the Sporting Gots, we put out a vote today. Just w- which jumper did appeal to you? The Indigenous jumper has been released by all the footy clubs for the Sir Doug Nichols round. 53% uh, voted for the Fremantle Dockers. 205 votes have been lodged. 53% voted for the Dockers. 28% said they like the Eagles one. 14% said, hey, we like them both. And 5% say they wouldn't wear either of them or don't like either. Hey, tomorrow we're on the radio from 10 till 12. Tune in. Thanks for your company. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.